Welcome to Alter the Minds of Stigma, where we give a voice to the voiceless, and we are brought to you by Honor of Howard County. And we are, oh, you're going to do the clapping again? Okay. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> she gets trigger happy with the sounds. I'm a little worried about her. But um, that's our director, producer, and there she goes again, Najma. I'm Anthony, your host, and we are, what's today? Today is a... Tuesday? Today's no, a Monday. No. Wow, a Monday. I'm very exhausted. It's Monday the 25th. Yeah. Monday. Thank you, sir. Uh, Monday, July 25th. Yeah, I have something new, too. Today's my anniversary. Today's your anniversary? Transplant. Transplant from your liver? Yep. Right on. Right on. Congratulations. Congratulations. It's huge. Yeah. That, that deserves a clap. That Nashville. deserves a clap. Yeah, you don't clap when you're supposed to. <laughs> I mean, I don't, yeah, I don't get it. I don't understand the right reason in your head. But whatever it is, it's just not working. Something's not clicking. Connecting. <laughs> That's all of us. That's all of us, man. I hear that. Know what connects and what doesn't. Yeah. But um, how was everybody's weekend today? Well, this weekend. How was everybody's weekend? Oh, it was good. It was good. Battled with a lawnmower. Okay. First time I ever had to do that. For who one, won, I, you won. know who won? You know what? The lawnmower threw a temper tantrum. And uh, I definitely put it in its place. You so. Put it in its place. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'd expect nothing, <laughs> you know, nothing different from you. Me, yeah. one lawnmower, zero. <laughs> 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 but um, I don't know if I'd clap for that battle. Yeah, no. <laughs> Sitting here today, we have I'm your host Anthony, and we have Najma, our producer director, and we have Eli, our guest. Hey, what's going on? And he is here to share his story. And his life with us. Is there a, is there any questions I shouldn't ask? No, nah, man, I'm an open book, You're Antonio. An open book, you know that, right, brother. Yeah, I've known Eli for a few years now, right? Maybe a few, yeah. Couple, three, three, four, maybe. Almost, all, almost I think, four. I think yeah, four. Yeah, Close. almost four years. I've known him a month. You've known Eli for a month, yes. No, it's been longer than a month. It's been a little longer because it's been a month since I uh, came here. I've came here, didn't? It? Yeah. And I, and that was a solid month too. So you know me for a couple months. Yeah, two months there. Uh, all right, we'll give it to you. We'll give you two notes. So, I want to go back to. Let me see. Let me see. No. I want to go back to. You may not remember this conversation we've had. We had, but I remember this conversation that we had like it was yesterday, and it was when we were starting to get to know each other at our old job together. So this is way before here. Well, way before here. Right. This was. This was when we started working together. All right. Before. All right. Um, you said to me, we had a, we were having a conversation and you told me, and like I said, I remember this like yesterday, you said, by all accounts, I shouldn't be here talking to you right now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I was shocked with that statement because I realized that if, if that were true, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have known the amazing human being that I know today. Well, thank you for that. Don't let it go to your head. <laughs> but um, tell me what you meant by that. If well, you, do you remember that conversation? Yeah. Well, uh, okay. Well, I've actually, um, unfortunately, or for whatever, I don't know if it's necessarily unfortunate, but um, I've had to make that statement um, to a lot of people in my life. Um, three years ago, uh, this February will be four, um, I've been clean off of narcotics. Um, I had a very <laughs> appropriate, yes. <laughs> um, thank you for that, Najma. 
Oh, right on. Proud of you, brother. Um, yeah, no, it's an everyday battle and an everyday struggle. Um, I was a drug user, real, real heavy since I was a child. Um, what age? Uh, so I first started dabbling in narcotics and harder drugs, more than just uh, marijuana and alcohol, when I was about 12. Jesus. About 12 years old. Okay. Um, no, no fault to any one influence or anybody or anything. Uh, I just think that's kind of the way the course went. Um, so 12-year-old Eli just said, let me pick this up. Um, it, well, okay. It's not like I uh, just woke up at the end of middle school and was like, you know, I'm going to start shooting dope. You know what right. I mean? Uh, everybody hits a weird phase when you're a kid where, um, you know, you have that experimental stage. Um, I started smoking cigarettes way before I started doing anything else. That was a couple years before then, and you know, so it's I just, not marijuana. It's it's that's a gateway drug. It's the cigarettes. Uh, I, I, you know, you know what? I absolutely would switch those two around and say, yeah, yeah, yeah. no, I would definitely say that um, smoking cigarettes would be the gateway to trying anything else uh, beyond that. Uh, at least when I, you know, I'm 35 now. Uh, back then, with how readily available they were, you know, being able to buy them at younger ages, and uh, you know, they were always around. Everybody smoked. It was still cool to smoke. It wasn't a taboo thing for everybody to smoke cigarettes. There wasn't vapes. There wasn't, you know, any of that kind of stuff floating around. What was that now? It's the card in there. It's what card? Oh, the patch. Okay, so patches, right? And like those e-cigarettes, you know, they have. Um, my, I have tried those. You know, I unfortunately, you know, I've kicked narcotics. Um, we'll, we'll make this a full circle statement in a minute. Um, I've kicked narcotics and drank in and put the bottle down and, and all that. But uh, that is the one habit I have in my life that uh, I've been struggling with for the last 20 years. And I think it is one of the hardest ones to break. It is. But when it comes to, like, patches and uh, e-cigarettes and all the stuff that, you know, hospitals would give you, so on and so forth. Uh, my, my thing is I'm just not – I don't have a 24-hour constant supply of nicotine. Right. I crave it. I smoke it. Um, I crave it. I smoke it. When you put those patches on, you're getting it for – 24 hours it's releasing over the full entire day um yeah not uh not really for me cool shades Nazma. yeah she's wearing shades good she's too cool for school hey someone's gonna be so all right let's go back but anyways, to enough about the cigarettes man. let's go back to 12 year old Eli picking uh, up yeah so um <laughs> just the environment around me public schools at that time um a lot of harder drugs were readily available and around a lot of the circles of kids and friends uh, that I was involving myself with at the time. Um, oh, sorry, Antonio. <laughs> like the chair's not any better. He was um, making noise. Okay, I want to make sure we pick it up. Um, yeah, no, one thing led to another, and uh, I got a taste for certain things, and it wasn't really uh, a constant thing when I was younger, like an everyday problem. Right. But uh, as I... You know, became an adult. Um, health problems kind of spurred things back into motion again. Uh, pain management clinics, hospitals, things like that. Uh, one thing led to another, and you find yourself dependent on medically prescribed medications on levels that you really shouldn't be. Um, at that time period, 
that a lot of those resources that were licensed in medical to uh, provide this sense of, not sense, but source of medical relief for you. Um, it's not that I didn't need it. I absolutely uh, needed it. Still live in pain every single day. Um, I just choose to navigate my life without it. But um, the accountability that our medical system will hold against themselves um, is few and far between. It's a big cash grab in my eyes. Yes. Um, I begged multiple pain management clinics to discharge me off of their medications because they were to such a high limit um, that they weren't effective. And when I was going into the hospital, I was ending up with a lot of problems. Because, I mean, you know, I was 22. 23 years old and they're giving me enough narcotics to probably put a horse down and and, and well because i was already prescribed so many of them. Yeah, yeah yeah you know my I, tolerance was so high. i remember when we were working together and you had to go to the doctor for something i think it was dentist maybe mm -hmm. and you were telling them that they couldn't give you anything you didn't want anything from them no no so i um that'll lead up to why i got clean and decided to uh, go through that process in my life um I, for a while there, uh, started to abuse these medications because of my tolerance. Um, I was going back into the earlier years where I was starting to abuse them and get high off of them. And that brought a lot of headbutting in with medical uh, facilities. So uh, I went to a doctor and asked them to discharge me again. And they refused to. And they wrote me an obscene amount of drugs for my one month prescription like it normally was and told me to go figure it out somewhere else um, so instead of doing that um, I decided to sell all of them for you know a couple thousand dollars you know, it, was a lot of, it was a lot of money's worth of narcotics that, that uh, street value it was you yeah. know bottles and bottles of things right. and um, I went down and found a cheaper source and uh, one thing led to another and it was a couple years later and still addicted to opiates and uh found myself shooting up man and so the other so, to be clear the other source that you got was heroin shooting up heroin yes okay yes well i mean eating pills too but too expensive right go for the cheaper bigger bang cheaper right. price you know and one thing led to another and i ended up with a nasty heroin addiction for uh six years seven years now how old were you when you started shooting mm. do you remember i was taking like narcotics and pills way before then right clearly because of all the pain management clinics and then dabbling you know when i was younger too in like high school and stuff like that but it was never like i said an everyday thing or a uh, uh a physical dependency to it right. where i would get sick if i didn't have it you know uh, it got to that point after all these pain management clinics i was just telling you guys about um, I think I was 24, wow. 25, okay. yeah, roughly about that 24, 25 when I decided to uh, take the nasty jump and start dabbling around and things like that. And what made you jump to that? What, what do you think triggered that? Um, uh, honestly, uh, pain management clinics. Um, the hoops that you had to jump through with them and you signing contracts with them to uh, be prescribed these insanely high levels of very, very dangerous medications to them not allowing you to have these medications anymore uh, because you smoke pot or 
you know, um, you have a tolerance and you ran out a day late or a day earlier than you should have um, because you needed more assistance. Uh, and they just kick you right out the door. They don't even discharge you off of them. Uh, it was one of the craziest things and kind of surreal things to kind of sit back and look at. Both of my parents are in the medical field. You know, they're both nurses. And they're both doctors. Not so much on like anesthesiology and pain medicine wise, but to see that such a heavily regulated medication. That so there was is, no weaning off. They just kicked no. you out. Uh, and not only do they just kick me out, but they refill everything. And then tell you to get on your way. Wow. You know, uh, that's dangerous. Yeah. That's right. dangerous. They're the ones I signed a contract with to help me discharge off of these medications so they don't throw a 24-year-old into withdrawal and just have them sitting there. Because then if I go to the hospital, they think I'm drug-seeking, which really, in all retrospect, I am. Right. I absolutely am. Right, right. Uh, because I'm sick. But, you know, it, it, was, it was a hard one for me to wrap my head around because... You know, a lot of people who end up with these heroin addictions, at least nowadays, um, the beginning of them, like mine, uh, in your head, it is justified. It absolutely is because you signed a contract. I'm not buying this on the street. My health insurance, my co-pays are paying for all of this. You know, this is an agreement I have between a specialized clinic who deals with all of this and, uh, and, and myself, you know? Um, to know that towards the end of it, it could be so negligent, right. you know, uh, especially when the patient himself is asking for the assistance to come off of these medications. You okay, Najma? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She's caught. She was coughing and she was trying to hold it in. Yeah. So, so yeah, you yeah. told me like, so you said, how long did this heroin addiction start? Um, last oh man um 10 years mm, the opiate addiction yeah i would say absolutely but the actual messing around with the street drugs the dirtier stuff uh -huh. um probably about six six years six i mean my timelines are probably off on that but probably about six or so i mean you, you probably don't even during that time, it's kind of hard to keep time. Probably. Oh, yeah, and you, you got to understand, too, that's just the opiate side of it. You know, um, I was always somebody who partied. Uh, when, a lot of the times when I did all these opiates, um, I liked combinations of things. Uh, Cocktail. Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, I, I liked um, speedballs, uh, if you want me to be brash about it. Uh, yeah. I liked doing uh, uppers and downers at the same time, stimulants and depressants all at the same time, or sedatives at the same wow. time. Uh, you know, rest in peace, uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman, right? Uh, very, very famous actor. Um, I think one of the best pieces he did is when he played in Mr. Holland's Opus. That was me. But he's been in a lot of movies. Uh, but was clean for a very, 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 very long time. Um, decided to party the wrong way one day, and literally that one time, that one and only time, I took him out. You know, uh, it's a, it's a fine line that I was playing. But uh, you know, everything's got its breaking point eventually. So during this. Um heroin addiction and stuff like that and the opioids and all that stuff you were doing them both at the same time oh yeah 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 okay and um did you ever find yourself homeless no never no. never you no. told me one time that you were one of those um functioning um addicts yeah 
then you went to work, you did all oh, the yeah, stuff, yeah. You, did all, I, you did everything you had to do. Oh yeah, I, I never not had employment. Um, thankfully, I have um, a solid foundation. All I have is my, my mother, my father out here. Everybody else is on the West Coast, you know, right. thousands of miles away. But um, they were always there for me. So beside me paying my own rent somewhere else or being able to stay with them, I always had a roof over my head. My car I... payment was always paid. Right. Um, my bills were always paid. I always had food. I always had cigarettes. I uh, always had gas in my car, you know, things of that nature. I think it's important for people to know that just because you have these kind of addictions and all that stuff doesn't mean you always wind up in the street. No. And that you're always no. you go homeless. And so, like you have these, this is another type of addiction. In my book, in my in my eyes, in my mind, this is a different type of addiction that you that you had. Where you had an addiction, but you weren't not functional. Like you did your work. You did your responsibilities. Oh, yeah. I was still working 12-hour right. days. I was still working six days a week. Right. Um, running restaurants. I'll leave the names of them out of here. Right. Um, oh, Absolutely. Absolutely, for years and years and years. You know, I think the drive of why you go to work every day right. is what shifts. Because now I'm not going to work to save money and buy a house and have this grand future and slam it in the bank and, and retirement and 401. I was working to sustain and to feed my habit as well. Right, to maintain your habit. Yeah, absolutely. You know, a good 50, 60, 75% of it was maintaining the habit than it was uh, going to work because, you know, I wanted to be a functioning member of society, you know, and I just wanted all these dreams and things to happen with hard work. Um, no, it, it completely Strictly shifts. to maintain your habit. Uh, no, not strictly. You know, you still got car payments and gas <laughs> and bills, so, I mean, it wasn't solely for that, but... Right. You wanted to make sure that that was paid and you had the drug side of it. It, it. it wasn't one or the other. It was both, you know, and I think that's kind of what, you know, made it more of a functioning addict. You know, it's just like alcoholics, man. You know, there's a lot yeah, well, of alcoholics. My father was an alcoholic. He drank for years and yeah. he, he worked six days a week for years and he never missed a day. Yeah. But he was an alcoholic. I mean, very, mm -hmm. very drank every day. Drank every day. Uh, got up, still went to work. Went to work uh, drank at work, probably. Maybe. Uh, most of them do. You know, does that mean they're drunk? No, doesn't mean they're drunk. But you know, when you're a raging alcoholic or an alcoholic of any sense, um, exactly, it's maintenance drinking. Yeah, that's what I was doing. You know, towards the end of my uh, heroin addiction, there, I, you're trying to chase a high. You know, you're not getting high anymore. Um, you're just chasing the fact that you don't want to go through withdrawal and you don't want to feel ill. Right. You don't want to feel like crap. Mm -hmm. You know, because so how, how are you gonna... You're running from the withdrawal. Uh, yeah, you're, you're, yeah. You're trying to run towards the, the, main, the, the maintenance yeah. of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's where it, it's, it's maintaining... Uh, um, it's maintaining the, the feeling of being sick. Right. You know, so that way you can go to work for 12 hours a day and pay all these bills and still function. You know, I'm not saying it was did you, did you, the smoothest thing, but... Did you do drugs while you were at work? Oh, absolutely. Did you absolutely. shoot up while you were at work? Absolutely. Absolutely. And people couldn't tell? Um, some people, you know, that's a realm uh, that unless you are really savvy mm -hmm. um, to what is going on... Right. Um, I can't say a majority, you know, times are different now. So when you but, shot up, people could not tell that you were 
at work people couldn't tell you were um for the towards the tail end yes okay um because i was having to use it such an excess because you were already that it would catch up to me uh well because my tolerance is so high that you start combining cocktails of things to achieve what you want uh and oh yeah oh yeah people absolutely could tell but for for a majority of it um and this isn't to any one group individually uh, in this world, a lot of people still to this day are very, very naive um, about the signs yeah. of somebody who is every day, all the time, a drug user well, or an alcoholic. One, one of the reasons I feel like that's true is because you met them when they were high. You see them when they were high. So what's the difference? So what, exactly. you don't know the other side. You so don't know what the is difference the difference? Yet. You right, know? Right, right, right. Um, Usually when I was still okay and not sick or anything and I wasn't high, then people are asking me what's wrong. Because you were, yeah. Because I'm not myself. You know, they, they, they know something's up. Right. But really I was fine, you know, but the times I wasn't high, I was, you weren't, questions. The, you weren't the Eli they knew. Or that they would see for 12 hours a day, every single day. Yeah. But. So where, where, did, where were your parents at this time? Like, what were they trying to, like, did they notice? Did they know what was going on? They knew something was up for a long time. Mm -hmm. um, I, but see, you know, yeah, towards towards the end of it, absolutely. Because I uh, wasn't on the prescription drugs anymore. Right. So why was all this these certain things happening? Right. You know, why was money running out too quick? Right. Why am I sick? Uh, why, why is it getting to a point now where being a functioning addict is turning it into, even though I'm working every day, I'm still broke. Right. You know, uh, certain signs like that. Um, so they were like, Eli, where's all your money going? Yeah. Yeah. They, they asked the right questions. You know, I just want people to know that you could, I mean, I know your parents. Yeah. Yeah. I've met your parents. They're awesome and amazing people. Yeah, they are. Uh, you know what? I'm a very, very lucky individual. You're very lucky. And you have, they have great hearts, and I can see that they would definitely be there for you. Mm -hmm. So I just want... That's another point I want to... That's another point I want to um, bring up is that, you know, you didn't have that problem of having a miserable home or miserable parents or anything like that, that they were actually trying to be there for you, that they were there, and they were, you know, they... They were hardworking people. Oh, absolutely. So I just want people to know that too. Like, it's not just people that come from these kind of other homes. Oh, no. My, my father is ex-military. Um, uh -huh. He just got his master's degree. Um, this guy has not stopped working uh -huh. the, the entire time I've been on the face of this earth for 35 years. Didn't he just get his master's? That's exactly what he just did. <laughs> Congratulations <laughs> to you, Pops. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, Mr. Or, or as we like to call him, Rolando. Yeah, well, that's not his actual name, so we'll just go by Rolando. Okay. That works, yeah. too. <laughs> that works out, yeah. But, um, yeah, so, okay, so they were there trying to help you and asking these questions, asking the right questions, as you put it. Uh, yeah, you know, you don't have to be from a bad home for people to, right. or a bad surrounding or environment or a broken home for things like this to still go down. Now, could I have ended up homeless? Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. If I didn't have it could have kicked you out. Uh, well, exactly, and if I didn't have the support did. system that I had, um, yeah, 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 I, I think uh, the tables would have turned real, real quick. Yeah. And I, I still think, you know, no matter how much uh, my family is there for me, and they love me, and they'll do anything for me, and you know, all that, uh, it was uh, hitting that threshold. Right. 
where it's not that they weren't willing to be supportive of me. They just didn't want it in their home and they didn't want to see it anymore if I was going to continue to be a man and make those decisions and continue down that road. They weren't going to watch it, you know. They weren't going to support it. Uh, well, not that they were supporting that side of it, but right. still by making sure I'm not homeless and okay right. uh, and keeping tabs on me, uh, it's kind of aiding and abetting, if you will. Yeah. You know, even if they're not giving me the money or taking me down there or turning a blind eye to it and they're still kicking and screaming about it, you know, it's not, you know. So, <clears throat> rock bottom. I always say there's a rock bottom moment. Yeah. Tell me about your rock bottom moment and what made you finally get help. Um, well, things went awry at work. Okay. Um, I uh, shot up and didn't, I didn't overdose per se. It's just, um, Street drugs got a little too dirty, a little, little nasty with the things they were mixing it up in. And um, I was acting a fool one day at work. And uh, that was one of the most pivotal situations because then it really did affect uh, me being able to function and work. Uh, because now everybody sees what's going on. It's kind of like opening a door and people who had no idea what was going on is now looking in the house, you know. But the biggest one was not so much that situation but absolutely yeah yeah uh, my boss is a very very close friend of mine brother um that was the real bottom end turning point that i needed to go get help because now i can't work you know it's gotten to a point where what i was doing to maintain just all went to crap you know but i had a conversation um, with my parents one day Probably a couple months before that. I don't. I don't think it was right there at that time. You know, those were all separate conversations. After that part of work is why I went to rehab for sure. Right. Multiple people didn't sit me down like the show intervention or anything, but in their own way, that was them separately talking to me like, "Hey, dude, you know, you're about to kill yourself if you're not careful. Right. You know, and we don't. We want to see you make the change for the right reasons uh, and show that love and support, like people." Who are that to you in your life should. Um, and it was a real eye-opener on that one. But a few months before, I think this is a real rock bottom with it. Um, I was at home and my family sat me down. And both my parents had to have a conversation with me about them having to look into how much life insurance I had um, to pay for uh, the worst case scenario and or me overdosing and dying. Um, if that's not, you know, a realization. Slap in the face. Yeah. Because yeah. they expected, the way you were going, they expected you to honestly die. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, all I have is, me and my family were really close. Uh, even my family back home, uh, they all live in Oregon and California. Um, I, uh, yeah, no, that was a real eye-opening moment for me. You know, they love me. I love them. I'm here for them. They're here for me. But to see me putting th those kind of people in my life to a position where they have to uh, actually consider this. Well, consider it and for real, like, look yeah. into it. Right. You know, um, your parents aren't supposed to bury you. You know, and to know that you got to have a conversation with your mom and your dad about how they're going to bury you. You know, yeah. that was 
yeah. And you know, like I said, that's a slap to the face. That's a shot to the heart real quick, you know? And it was real eye-opening, but think of it this way. Uh, the maintenance of that drug and not feeling like crap every single day, I still did it afterward. I'd still continued until I hit that breaking moment like I just talked about before. Um, and, uh, you know, looked at myself and all parties involved and said it was time and went to rehab and cleaned myself up. And now this uh, this February will be, February 1st will be four years. Four years. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Congratulations, brother. No, it's, it's work every single day. So tell me. You always say, even to this day, now that you've been clean for how many, how long again? Four? Uh, so, three, four years? Three, three, three and a half this February will be four. But you tell me all the time that it's still a constant struggle for you. Because mm -hmm. you tell me you mm -hmm. still love it. You mm -hmm. still love, even though you're not doing it, you still oh, yeah. love it. If there was a way to, uh, and, and you know, I did combinations of things, but uh, my biggest one is I like downers. I like sedatives. Is that why uh, you hang out with me? Because <laughs> I'm a downer. <laughs> No, Antonio, it's not. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah, yeah, a lot of it, a lot of it. <laughs> uh, no, I, I liked uh, if there was a way for me to be able to eat opiates and feel that way without repercussions of withdrawal or your heart rate and blood pressure dropping to a point where you go into cardiac arrest. Um, you know, I probably would. I probably would. Uh, it's an absolute love affair. It makes my mouth water every day. Wow. Some days are better than others. Yeah. You know, uh, they tell you when you leave rehab that you're going to have these moments where it could it be anywhere, man. It could be at the gas station. It could be at work. You never know when You could be in the middle of you could be in the middle of Target buying socks and drawers. <laughs> yeah, you could be at church, and this thought hits your head where you feel like you want to use again it'll bring these kind of cravings to you like you'd have them before. Now, how do you get, how do you get through those moments? Like, when that moment well, hits you, okay. half of it, in my opinion, and I'm not, maybe I'm a rare percentage of people who go through rehab. Um, I have not, I have not had the inclination to use. Now, do I think about certain feelings I get from it? Yes. Does that process through my head is I want to go use? Absolutely not. Um, it actually scares the living hell out of me to think about going back on the street and using again. Right. Um, that's, like I said, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yeah. Uh, he was clean for better on a decade, decade and a half. And uh, that one time, that one time knocked him out. That's usually what knocks out a lot of people. But um, how do I get through those cravings? Uh, I look at, I take a deep breath, and I kind of sit back and have to pull the reins and realize within my head that I'm standing here. I am alive. I'm not sick. I'm not dependent on that to not feel terrible and miserable. And um, look at the hard work I've put in for the last three and a half years to get to where I'm at. You know, I, I, I don't, I'm not saying I'm exactly to where I want to be, right. you know, because I'm cleaning up a decade and a half of drug abuse and a mess. You know, even though I was working the whole entire time, um, it's still something that you can't 
can't solve it over. few times before I decided to pull the trigger and go get clean that, uh, uh, like we had said before in the conversation I had with you, uh, out back at work that one day, um, I should not be here. I should not be here. With the combinations of medications that I was on and um, the situations I put myself into, there were a small handful, thankfully, small handful of times. Uh, I was close. I was close. I was really, really close. And in some sense, I did overdose, if you will. Uh, just not, um, I can't say I overdosed the right way. Okay. <laughs> What's the right way? Uh, yeah, exactly, you know. Um, but le let's, just, let's just say, um, no, 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 uh, no chest compressions, you know, yeah, no yeah. CPR, no Narcan, nothing had to go on like that to bring me back. Uh, it was more just sitting me up and getting me moving to bring my blood pressure back. I think it was just dropping my blood pressure anything else that kind of started to slow the pace down and put me in that situation. You know, so I'm not going to say that's right. There's no such thing as right now. So, but yeah, no, there were, uh, no, there was a few times. There was a good few times um, over the course of that. So, they got him here. What would you say to Um, no, we're gonna make you cry. No, you're not. We you're not. Are we having a Oprah moment? No, <laughs> no. And, and, and I'll be honest with you, I'm pretty sure uh, Oprah does not look like you. <laughs> I, can, I can prove to you she doesn't. She's actually. Uh, Give him uh, a Dunkin' Donuts tissue, Najma. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> no, uh, all my tears and feeling sorry for my. Oh, thanks, Najma. Uh, all, all the. Uh, <laughs> all, all the tears and. The, the, you know, the, I don't have regret. I don't have regret. It has made me who I am today. Um, it has put me through life learning situations and experiences. And I, and, and seriously, I don't, and pe some people uh, uh, think I'm crazy for making this statement. I don't regret any of them I did, any of the drugs I did. Um, I, I had a great time. <laughs> I had a fantastic time. Party like rock star. I, man. I, and I, I had a fantastic time doing drugs. I loved it. I loved every bit about it. I loved the socialization. I loved the scene. I loved the risk. I loved the adrenaline rushes. I loved everything about it. So I don't have any regret on that sense. Um, what I do have, I guess I would say remorse. Not regret. Uh, remorse for is the things that my loved ones had to watch while, so remorse while I was to be And that carries on my shoulders every single day. Even though I still talk to these people and I love them. One of the things they tell you we have uh, that, that I, I, I follow every single day and this is one of the most important things that uh, one of the few important things that I uh, still live with how many times did you just once just once and it wasn't for legal reasons i didn't get arrested any of these times running around in the street your own uh i've been stopped by cops i don't know how i have never been locked up for it 
um, whatever powers it Some be. Some people might say, I mean, unlucky because you were in the situation, but lucky because things didn't get uh, legally, I came out unscathed, and that's rare. That's rare. That's absolutely rare. But no, I I didn't go for legal reasons. I didn't go because it was court ordered. I didn't go because they found anything on me. Um, I went genuinely because I was killing myself. My friends and my family brought it to my attention that they didn't want to see that happen. And some people are receptive of it. Some people are not. Uh, some people will. Uh, you know, uh, what would they say? Uh, most people go through rehab, like full inpatient rehab, not like outpatient. You know, you're doing this while you're working and you're still functioning. It's something like you lock them, put yourself in there, give them your cell phone, your keys. You can't talk to anybody. The most you can do is write a letter, you know, and actually sit there, go through all those meetings every single day, all those classes, all those courses. I still think it's about... Now, don't quote me on this. I think it's um, 70%, 80% relapse rate. Where a lot of people, not saying that they would necessarily have to go back uh, because things got out of hand like that. But um, for people to go through that process and uh, find themselves using it again. So even you, though, did you, after, after coming out of rehab, you, did, you, did you ever relapse? Um, on narcotics? No. No. Um, I did. On heroin? No. No, 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 no. So what, 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 what was it? Um, uh, so I, w- I would be in a 10 to 20 percentile um, of people who did not do that when they got out of rehab. Okay. Even though they have these reoccurring supposed quote-unquote thoughts, uh, like, like I said, you know, I still think about it. Do I think about it every second of every day? No. Did I think about it every second of every day when I got out and it was fresh in my head? Now, I, I was so happy that I went through that process and finally did not have to chase that and drive my life be, because of that anymore. Um, that, like I said, you know, with street drugs uh, and fentanyl specifically, uh, what I was doing was actually like morphine and opiates. Um, and what honestly I realized was going to take me out, and I'm not saying it was real heroin, you know, wouldn't have taken me out. Absolutely, still would the, the, the road I was going down. But fentanyl, man, uh, it's it's some scary business. Yeah, it's definitely scary. It's some scary business. So for me to even consider something like that, oh, I'm putting my name on the dotted line and signing my death wish right there. Absolutely, uh, that's what kills everybody. It's you think you can handle even a fraction of what you did before you went in there. Oh no, 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 no. And that's why uh, we have such problems. You know, people with that tolerance are still dropping left and right. You know, for me to consider ever doing something like that, it scares me. I mean, that's a good problem for me to have. Yeah, the fear. Yeah, the, the, the fear of that happening. Yeah, no, yeah, absolutely not. Not for me, not anymore. Nope. Well, I'm happy to hear that because um, otherwise I would have never known you. Yeah. And yeah. I, well, I have to honestly say that you, having you as a friend in my life has actually, I've, you've healed me in other ways where... You know, I used, I mean, I had, uh, my brother was an addict and stuff Mm -hmm. like that, and I... A lot of us are. A lot of judgment there that I had, but you've actually healed me, and I had a lot of resentment, but but getting to know you and hearing your story, you've actually healed me of some of that. Yeah. And you helped me understand the other side of it. Well, I'm glad I'm able to give you certain pieces of it, you know? Yeah. Uh, Even when I was in rehab, 
you know, because you're in a room and in a facility that you have to stay every night that have millionaires in it, yeah. um, homeless people in it, um, prostitutes, crackheads, um, alcoholics, um, heroin addicts, you know, all in the same building. And you wouldn't think, because everybody's there for the same reasons, you know, for their addictions, that there wouldn't be any judgment passed. But the hardest one uh, that I had realized when I was in there, that I'm not like you had said, you know, a lot of people who go to rehab for alcohol um, have never touched a street drug. Right. Some, you know, they still go hand in hand, you know, right? like partying is part of it. But, um, to know that you're there for narcotics and they're there for multiple DUIs and um, they're, you know, have a huge problem with alcohol that they're going to look at you as if you're the scum of the earth. As it, well, it, well, it's true. As, as if they're not going to, well, it's like they're putting themselves on a pedestal. Like as if, uh, oh, I'm only here for drinking. You're here for street drugs and running around and being crazy. You know, I would never do such a thing. So there's a big indifference there, you know. Uh, and I just, you know, halfway through the program, they give that up real quick. Uh, because everybody's able to share both sides of it. Both sides of the struggle. And the more and more, not everybody, but most of them, when they would go to the NA meetings, not just people talking about alcohol, specifically at AA meetings, you know, or multi-addiction uh, meetings, and they're able to hear these stories, um, it kind of clicks in their head, and they, you know, change their point of view of what, you know, here's Eli sitting in rehab, a little junkie, you know, and, oh no, not me, I just got pulled over for the third time, you know, in my life, that- because I left happy business cohorts. It's it's just this real world justification people get. But it's in a, it's just an understanding that everybody's human being. Same struggle just from different sides. Oh absolutely, you know, and, and people also and I would like to share this. People gotta understand it's not necessarily um, about drugs and alcohol. Um, there's a root of it. Uh, your your wife, your teenager, your sister, your cousin, um, your uncle, your nephew, whoever it is, can have a rip in shopping addiction. Mm-hmm. You know, look at Amazon. Look how many people are. Uh huh, Najma, you got one. Your head uh-huh. with the Amazon addiction. Yeah, we got a little Zon addiction, <laughs> huh? Yeah, yeah, exactly, but case in point, because it's right at everybody's fingertips, and you don't realize it's a problem until you see specific individuals mom, dropping $1,000 a month on Amazon. Yeah, my mom used to have a, a QVC addiction. You never, it's a sh- QVC was uh, home shopping network. Home, yeah, home shopping network. So they put the product on, you call coming, yep. coming to our house all the time. I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> but, um, so yeah, but, but yeah, you know, struggle's real, and, and it's not just because of um, things you're doing to your body, you know? Right. It could be things coming out your finances in your pocket. And, yeah. What would I tell other generations that are addicted? Don't do it. Up with hope, down with dope, man. <laughs> uh, <laughs> thank you, Dave Chappelle, for that one. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. Uh, all right, the biggest thing I can tell people about this, you got 
it, it, this goes on both sides of it for the people who want this for them and then for the struggling addict who is out there um, things do get better uh, you have to uh, now I, I don't for, for me I'll use the term um, and I use this term loosely it was a come to Jesus moment I'm not trying to bring religion into this uh, whatever powers it be whatever people believe you within yourself have to have that moment where you are fed up and you are done and you're willing to change it uh, now it takes a lot for some people to get to that point more so than others um, like I said my parents were talking about burying me and I still continue to go buy drugs you know until I got to the point where I almost killed myself and derailed all my money everything you know um, it was multiple levels of rock bottom that really straightened me out but if there's a will there's a way um, that will want it for yourself and unfortunately for the people who want that for them unless they have that moment it's not going to happen um, it is not going to happen at all um, things to the individuals who do have that moment and need to go get help um, I will put their business out there here in Maryland uh, shout out Right Turn Impact um, they have multiple facilities um, in Maryland, they have one, I believe, in Owings Mills. I went to the one that they have in Eldersburg, and I believe they opened a new one in Silver Springs. They also have a lot of sober living homes. What's the name of it again? Uh, right Turn Impact. Um, they are a, let's just put it this way, people who've been there uh, can say what they will about that place. Uh, that place saved my life. Uh, the tools that they gave me while I was in there, whether I wanted to hear a lot of it or not, or I thought it was uh, necessary or not, um, uh, saved my life and turned it around and installed certain things within me uh, that helped me to refrain from using drugs and alcohol anymore. You know, as much as people say rehab doesn't work and more and more they beat things into your head, it's about a routine. You know, but uh, for those who do decide to go and get clean, um, you cannot, and they will tell you this, if you do outpatient, inpatient, whatever it is, when you get out and you make this change in your life, whether you go or not, um, certain things that you have created for yourself are not going to get better overnight. Uh, you, you can't change, like for my, my situation, you cannot change and clean up 12 years of an addiction and what you've done uh, in your life overnight. You're going to want it to change way faster than it does. Day by day. It is, it, yeah. It is one day at a time, but uh, if you do, this is the biggest case point, if you do the right thing for the right reasons with the right drive over time, then you, you're not going to understand when that time will come at all. You're going to sit back and realize where you finally got yourself and, and, and where um, you are headed now. Uh, and it is such a beautiful and better place than being in the sense and mindset of addiction. That, um, I, I still struggle with it because I still want to be to a point where I really should be. But like I said, I have to step back. It's like me craving drugs or having these dreams or drives of, of feeling it, you know, or, or whatever it is. 
Um, it doesn't happen overnight. And like I said, if you do the right thing for the right reasons, um, things will give. And, and, and you will find yourself in a lot better of a position, way happier, all the above. All the above. It, it, it does get better. It does. You just got to want it and get after it. And on that note... <laughs> and Eli, thank you for uh, yeah, sorry coming for in. spewing, you know. You no, just no, drove it out of me there. No, no, no. Thank you. Yeah, I mean that was amazing. But um, thanks for uh, sharing your story with us yeah. today. It was yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah, we want you, we want you to come back. Yeah, yeah, we can do this again. You know, I got a lot more where that came from. Stories. Yeah, I got a lot more where that came from. Yeah, man. Um, at least I can uh, give you guys a piece of what I lived, and at least at least the drug and the crazy side of it. You know, there's a whole lot more to my life. There's than a lot. That, but there's a lot of you like to get to know. So yeah. I definitely. I don't. Even, I mean, I don't I've think you guys him, have enough hours in the day. I've known him for you <laughs> close to four years, and I still don't know all of Eli yet. But um. Yeah, brother, thanks for coming in. Yeah, well, thank you guys for having me. This is awesome. Thank you all for uh, joining us here at Alter the Minds of Stigma. And uh, we have... Najma's handing me a piece of paper. No. <laughs> so, um, yeah, thank you for coming in. Um, man, it was amazing to have you. Um, yeah, thank you guys again. This is awesome. And thank you for joining us today. We appreciate your time. Hope to have you back on our show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And please... Check us out on Facebook. <laughs> tell me what. Tell me the the Facebook. Facebook is um, on our own of Howard County. Instagram. Instagram. Shout out on our own of Howard County. Our own of Howard County. <laughs> Here we TikTok. go. There it is. <laughs> on our own of Howard County. <laughs> okay. And please find us on our website, on our own of Howard County. O O O H C I dot org. Or on our own H C dot org. All right. So yeah. Oh, our oh my email is. Who? Mine? No, the, the, the podcast email. The podcast email. What is it? AMS. AMS at O O O H C I dot org. If you didn't get that, please rewind. So thanks again for joining us and tune in. Next week we'll supposedly have who? We have another guest. John. McGrath, and he'll be joining us, and uh, he'll be telling his his story about his job and his story and stuff like that. But um, thanks again. Wrap it up. Mm-hmm.